Welcome to Storyboard. I'm Lars. I'm Meg. We reappraise overlooked films and TV and pitch stories that desperately need to be made. This episode, we use the theme of work to guide us on our eternal quest for hidden gems. We'll discuss a few notable films we found along the way and which jobs are famously underrepresented on film. We'll pitch an original story based on disparate elements that interest us and chat about what other items have been on our radar. Pull up a chair, baby. So, um, oh, it's underrepresented. Whoops, I went with overrepresented, but that's okay. I well, can think we'll of some we'll underrepresented. We'll do a bit of both. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, that's, well, there we go. It's all covered then. Um, <laughs> so, um, we chose the theme of work for this episode. And like all of our themes, it's more of a guide for me. I don't know. I feel like for me, it's more of like I'm going through my watch list, I'm seeing what I already kind of want to watch or I'm in the mood for, but then I will let the theme guide me. So it's, Mm. and sometimes I will go straight to letterbox type in the word, you know, the theme word and, and go from there. Uh, And I did. And, but then sometimes I'll go down those lists and I won't find anything. (laughs) So anyways, so to me, it's more of like a loose guide. And I don't know about for you, but I feel like whenever I do have a theme when I started out, I was like, oh, everything is, it could be work. You know what I mean? That's every movie. <laughs> and then as soon as I start to be a little stricter with it, I was like, actually, there are no movies. <laughs> There's nothing. So I don't know. How about you? What was your? Um, I think for me, I think about people's relationship to work a lot, probably because of my politics. <laughs> um, uh, so I did, you know, my tendency with themes is to do subs like I'm not a sub theme, but like, yeah, I end up like focusing in honing in. And part of it is that I already had a couple movies that I wanted to talk about that run work. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, sometimes one of us pitches like a, a theme because we already have something kind of like yeah, going in mind. in mind. So I already sort of had one. So yeah. <laughs> I just forced you along for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and then I was gonna say, and then I do my normal thing where, like I said, I kind of more like shoehorn in the, the movies that you I want really to watch. Like, I was like, well, acting is a job, not the act, like the acting within the movie, but I mean, like, right. th- this movie's about like an actor. <laughs> they're all doing job. work. So, yeah, yeah, they're all working. This is a set they is have jobs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, of course, there's the, uh, I immediately go to jobs that are represented in films or TV. And I feel like when I say films, I usually mean films and TV. So instead of having to yeah, always totally. add that on as a in series and whatever, um, on, on screen, screen, on screen. Um, and so of course there are ones that are massively overrepresented. And then there are ones where I'm like, uh, I never see this job represented and it's weird, or maybe I'm missing it. So what were, you said you kind of came in with some overrepresented jobs. Uh, what are some on the list that you came up with? <laughs> So overrepresented again, sorry, this is obvious. I won't spend too much time on it. Cops, most TV and <laughs> films are copaganda. Yeah. So overrepresented and generally in a way that is like apologizing for a profession that is basically just like a violence. I don't even want to call them workers. Um, so that's just like across the board. Yeah. And then, 
Well, I was going to say, do you think that's also to shoehorn in other stories? Because I kind of put down like lawyers and journalists. Lawyers was and another so one you, for me. Do you think that is, I mean, obviously there's the, the propaganda aspect of it, but do you also think it, it is sort of just like, a, I don't know if lazy is the word, but just I'll yeah, say I think it is way to shoehorn in. Like we really want to be talking about whatever it is, domestic violence or this, whatever the thing is. So let's just, we need to have like a kind of an audience surrogate or like some sort of structure for it. Yeah. I think a lot of times it's because they want to shoehorn in like a mystery aspect or a thrill, you know, like they want a puzzle for people to Mm -hmm. solve. The easiest way to do that is to have it be like, and they also, I feel, you know, it's like, oh, social issues are like taboos. And so it's like murder or like, yeah, yeah. you know, some kind of violence. Um, so they like to, I agree. They, it, it's convenient. And it's kind yeah. of, although I think often it's like cops, a movie that has cops and detectives. And then there's movies about lawyers. And I do often think yeah, those yeah. are different oh, movies. Yeah. Cause I also kind of had lawyers on there. Cause you just think, I mean, not just like, not just sort of, um, Lincoln lawyer or something like that, but you know, <laughs> Philadelphia or even movies yeah. about like a corporate litigator. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that I just saw, style. Sorry. I just remembered. I saw dark. What's it called? Dark water, dark waters. There's like 50 oh, with that title. Mark sorry. That just popped in my head. I was like, Oh yeah. Say that for Aaron Brockovich, like Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. So I think the lawyer thing, there is the aspect of like seeking justice, you know, mm. that seems very alluring to people because it is it's like a drawn out there's going to be like a beginning middle and end right of like a trial or some kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then if there's a woman <laughs> that needs to be brought down or cut down to size or she's like supposed to be like a cold-hearted bitch then she definitely yeah. starts out as like a corporate lawyer don't you think oh, yeah and then she <laughs> um makes applesauce in vermont or whatever it was a baby boom you're telling me well and then i did look it up and this is the other overrepresented one is just like general business woman like if, if a oh, woman yeah. is supposed to be like a go get em gumption gal it'll yeah, just be yeah. like she's in business in baby boom diane keaton is a like management consultant which i would not say mm. is like overrepresented but then it is mm, like yeah. an interesting it although she does end up becoming um like, well, I don't think it's a spoiler. That movie sucks and nobody should watch it. It's like the like <laughs> oh, backlash. Movie. <laughs> um, but she like becomes like a small business owner, which is also overrepresented, you know, where it's like a cutesy. I mean, yeah, yeah. Applesauce. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say as far as over- overrepresented. I always I'm just going straight to rom coms and I haven't seen a ton. But from what I know, it's like bakeries, which is actually um, I feel like that just came up. Uh, somehow, and James was like, "That's like probably the least sexy job, as far as like you're up at like, I mean, your main two a.m. right, two a.m. or like when you're mainly where you know, there's just like flour in the air, you know, it's not a <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, you're not just making googly eyes at boys over cupcakes like during the right. daytime. That's not how it works. Um, so and then magazines, obviously, fashion magazines, yeah. oh, interior decorator, you know, and hey, I'm these all sound like very dreamy jobs. I mean, some of those, you know, but, um, but like percentage wise, I'd like to see the Bureau of yeah. Labor statistics on how many people actually do these jobs. Yeah. Right. Oh, I have an underrepresented one, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. I think that actually working in like food service and retail, like any kind of service industry is underrepresented you know you think about a movie like support the girls which i loved yeah yeah. but that is not occasionally you know you see it but it's actually not super common yeah even though like there's a huge section of people in this country huge yeah i guess i was thinking about i was i couldn't figure out if yeah restaurant jobs were over or under or just like we said like 
represented. Rated. You know what I mean? represented just rated. Yeah. If they're just not over or under, but just rated. Um, so, well, uh, for me, the underrepresented, and of course I'm very um, biased on this, is uh, people who like, I guess flip vintage for, for lack of a better word, like thrift flippers and um, people that like basically sell, like, I mean, we're, I know you're talking about small business, but I'm talking about like micro business of like, you know, uh, selling, like buying thrift and selling it like online or in pop-ups or, uh, or small business um, makers. Like, I mean, I guess in movies they show like I do pottery or something, you know, ghosts and that kind of stuff. I don't know, but like, Again, I'm probably biased because I know. I'm sorry. I, I love. Know. I love that you think that. Like it's like you're like I. Maybe it's just me, but this job is really underrepresented. It's very. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like I guess it's hard when like I live in a bubble where everyone I know does this. You know what I mean? It's like my oh, whole life. Yeah. And so, but I mean, really, I I'm kind of shocked that there hasn't been some some show like shrill or something that's, you know, about like this generation or something. And I mean, I've seen some representation of like gig economy stuff, you know, like Uber. Sorry, we missed you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry Um, to miss you. I don't know. I'm sorry. Every, every one of those titles, it's like, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's like, when it kind of sounds the same as, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, so again, super biased over here, but people that basically sell, that sell clothing online. Okay, I'll just say it. Uh, people, the the uh, angels out there, the, you know, they're just on the front lines. No. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, there's that cracks me up. is just all resting on their shoulders. Uh, single-handedly. No, um, anyway, again, I've been doing this on not for 15 years and I was like, I've ne- or maybe I'm just missing the shows or- yeah on screen i'm missing the representation on screen it's very i mean possible. i'll say that like you know if i'm gonna i told you i wouldn't say that i hate how people who work in archives are represented but okay um i i do think that there is it's not it's like slim and inaccurate when it's there but i don't think it's like underrepresented you're like but- microfiche jockeys is what it is <laughs> like you know what i mean it's like you're yeah. like oh there's this extra these papers <laughs> just like, you know, like I'm made of dust and I live in a dusty little room. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's funny. Well, yeah. I think that's, uh, that's kind of all I got, but, um, interior decorators is one yeah. I had because it's like, but then I was like, is that just like TV and like Hallmark movies? And then I was like, well, there's a number of eighties movies where it's like, Oh, if, he, if she's kind of like a, um, like a shout, like a shallower, you know, not yeah, yeah, yeah. a woman not to be taken seriously. It's interior decorator. She's to be taken seriously than probably like a journalist or like a lawyer. Yeah. Basically if there's a guy in the movie and his girlfriend that he needs to break up with because she's on her cellular phone too much, whatever, she's an totally. interior decorator and he needs to dump her for the nice lady that owns a bakery or whatever. <laughs> totally. Exact, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Or she needs to quit her job and then yeah, yeah. run a bakery. Yeah. I will put in a, I will put in a, just like a brief plug for, because Joel had never seen the movie Beeswax, which is like a really early Andrew mm. Bujalski movie since I talked about Sport mm. the Girls. Um, gosh, he's good about, he really writes working women well. But anyway, there's a, of one of the sisters runs a vintage store in Austin. Oh, okay. Just, I mean, it's, she's not reselling online because it's like almost like <laughs> not pre-internet, but it's like before people were doing yeah. that. But um, it's a good, it's a good movie. 
Um, yes, first owning a vintage shop. I do see that trope, but that's more people shopping there. Yeah, it's not totally. the crux of the movie. But I, um, over the holidays, I did watch, I think it was Mixed Nuts, which, um, well, anyway, but I think Juliette Lewis either owns a thrift store or like is basically the manager of one or something. Um, and that movie is, I wanted to like it so much. Mm. Um, I was, I was, uh, desperate to like you know what I mean I don't know anyway and I didn't I don't know I have a whole thing with like uh Steve Martin and that sort of it doesn't matter anyway not a a huge fan you would think I would be a target audience for you know what I mean like oh yeah his stick wears thin his stick wears thin I don't I don't really see the appeal honestly yeah Um, this is a job I watched the (laughs) movie where he's like a like a like a scamming preacher wasn't good a leap of faith Leap of faith. Yeah, it was bad. It wasn't funny. And I it made me question <laughs> if I've ever thought anything he made was funny, even though I have liked him in previous things. I'm struggling to think of something I've liked. Him. And the thing is, I think I've seen him like, you know, in interviews and just as a person. And I was yeah. like, he seems kind of funny. And fine, is kinda, I, I think yeah. Roxanne's kind of cute, but I haven't watched it in a long time. Is that the one where he's like Cyrano? Yeah. Where's right? Um, I think I'm, I think my parents like, had no. a lot as a kid, you know, and it was around and, and then I saw it in video stores, like the covers. Yep, <laughs> with the nose. Nose. Yeah. Yeah. The nose and the, you know, <laughs> um, but I, yeah, every bit that I've explored, haven't been a huge fan. Sorry to veer into this. <laughs> anyway, um, this is actually a referendum on Steve Martin's career, right? Yeah, here, no, right now. I just I want to take him down a few pegs. Um, well, let's just get right into it. Um, so sure. My first movie is Clock Watchers, 1997, directed by, uh, I think it's Jill Sprecher, uh, is what it looks like. And uh, so I only heard about this really because comedian John Early, whom I love, is sort of always preaching the gospel of this movie. Um, I'm constantly looking him up uh, on just any YouTube interview, anything, I don't know, a podcast. So he uh, famously loves Tony Collette. And uh, so he loves this movie and it was very oh, wait, You'd never seen this movie before? This, I'd this never movie? heard of it or seen it. Oh, or wow. I think I got it confused with Clockers, which is completely unrelated. Right. Um, but anytime maybe it was mentioned, I'm sure my brain went right there and I just, you know. Yeah, totally. So in a nutshell, it's, um, so like I said, 1997. So you got some classic 90s vibes there. Four friends work as temps in an office of, I think, a credit company. So uh, Parker Posey, Tony Collette, Lisa Kudrow, and um, a woman that I realized, I was like, wait a minute, she was in a favorite childhood TV show of mine, like a Saturday morning thing called like Beekman's World. She was like, mm-hmm. anyway, I was like a mad scientist. It's a classic 90s, like dry absurdism, which isn't really my fave. Um, and neither is Lisa Kudrow, honestly. But Parker Posey. Oh, interesting. I, you really, do you like her? Um, I, mean, I really liked her in the comeback. I started kind of watching that and I think I just wanted it to be, um, was it called Larry Sanders? I don't know. I can't oh, know. Like, okay. I that's watch fair. Yeah. Barry Shandling or whatever the fuck it's yeah. called. Yeah. Barry Shandling and, and Larry Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> we always have this problem. Sorry, anyway. I know. I can't. I'm sorry. Just choose a name that's wildly different than your name or I'm going to get confused. <laughs> um, well, I don't, I don't, again, I think it's a, maybe it's a Steve Martin thing where she's fine. I don't have a problem. It's just, maybe I don't love some of the parts she plays or something. Yeah. Never, never really liked friends or anything. I don't, again, don't hate her. Uh, sorry. I'm really rowing back on this, but anyways, Par- Parker Posey is the headline. Uh, she does all the heavy lifting, plays the part of the bitchy weathered temp uh, to perfection. And uh, Tony, Colette 
can do anything, but I don't think she's playing a mousier character in this, which yeah. I, don't, I don't really love for her or in general, but because I, I, I don't know, I guess I like when she's a little more, I don't know, outgoing or whatever in her roles, but, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I like when she has a little more charisma and, and agency in her characters, but uh, still great. Um, the office becomes increasingly paranoid as things start to go missing from everyone's desks. And of course, attempts are the main suspects. And then what started as, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd call it like a loose, uh, you know, chill uh, office, but uh, <laughs> it's very, very dry. But they begin to crack down and it sort of pulls the ladies apart um, and their jobs are constantly in danger as temps and especially if they're under suspicion. And uh, they keep assuming they're going to be asked to move into permanent positions and they're not. And they bring in another girl, another woman, and then they're suspicious of her and um, just constantly feel threatened. And uh, yeah, so I, I mean, obviously it could be viewed as like a companion piece, like office space or like the office as far as just like classic. Uh, what would you call it? Like um, cubicle culture? I don't know. Um, soulless drudgery. But yeah, so it kind of predicted some of the instability of gig economy in the 2000s. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so have you yeah. ever tempt? Do you ever temp? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, a lot of my jobs ended up being temporary. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of in a voluntary or involuntary way. <laughs> but um, Look, I was there on a temporary basis, I mean, I whether I knew it or not. Right? Uh, yeah, I uh, temp, for- so I was just curious. Like I felt I feel like that movie is so spot on for how mm. weird it is temping like it is mm. just such a you're just sort of like it's not quite like being iced out but just the way that you're kind of this like like other tertiary figure where you're like oh well you're not one of the main protagonists in this office and then it's also just so often that you're brought into temp and you're like this job doesn't need to get done and so they but they don't really like most companies don't seem to know that or especially oh, yeah, yeah. I think probably, you know, like nineties, but they're like, uh, yeah, you just need to like sit here and like make some copies and like answer the phone. But you know, you're just, they don't really explain things very well. And usually they have a temp because, you know, people are busy or whatever. And so you're just Mm -hmm. kind of sitting there like, uh, no one told me like when I can take breaks, Yeah, where do I, when do I go to lunch? Yeah. Um, kind of just on call in a way too. Like we just need you right now. We just need a warm body right now. Yeah. Anyway, it's just funny. Like there's like, I've had temp, I've done temp gigs that I totally loved. And I actually have like made, uh, very close friends from, yeah. weirdly but then I also like I have temp jobs that I'm like that was the worst two weeks of my life like what a <laughs> what an office cubicle hell where it's like there was what I won't name the the like corporate offices of the retailer that I was working for oh, but I was like everyone who works here um is caught like 20 years behind like basically <laughs> clock oh, watchers man. land and you're like why am I freaking entering this inscrutable data in Microsoft access. Like I didn't even know people still use this database. And like, I was um, tempting because there was a lady who like retired and they were like, if you want this job, like temp to perm, it's yours. And I was like, I'd rather be dead. (laughs) Temp to perm. (laughs) Temp to perm. Um, Anyway, where you're just like, like seeing them like lay out, like this was such a, this is again, not, I mean, this was in the 21st century and they were like laying out like ad layouts on like paper and I was like this is oh, the land yeah. before time anyway yeah. it's um, funny now but it wasn't at the time no no um, but I think and- that clock watchers captures that 
yeah. essence. So just real quick, Clock Watchers uh, was available, unavailable for a very long time, but now it is available, I think, for free on Prime. And why didn't she get to make more movies? Like, okay, I actually do like that tone of movie. It's like, it's like a comfort place for me. But I mean, a man that made a movie like that would for sure, if you looked up up on IMDb, he'd have like a ton of stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think she's directed TV and stuff, but... Um, I think she's said on here on here are my notes, um, 13, <laughs> 13 conversations about one thing, which that's one of those, I know the title and I don't know. Yeah. I assume it sounds like one of those things where there's like 13 actor, 13 totally. vignettes or something. It's all about love or something. Um, and then I think also big love, um, which I never mm. really saw. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, I think she was involved with that with like producing, writing, directing everything maybe. So, but yeah, um, it's probably criminal, um, uh, that she didn't do more things. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it also really gets into the, in, like, I don't know, the dynamics of like having friends at work can be fraught and tenuous. So I do think it, it explores that in an interesting way. And you don't get to, wait, temps are underrepresented on film. Oh yeah, definitely. Sure. And I think also um, friendship, especially like friendship among women uh, and in the workplace is also criminally underrepresented so um yeah yeah so it does i didn't want to give the impression i didn't like it um it was it was definitely like that perfect like 90s yeah uh dry i don't know how to like what the word i'm looking for <laughs> i was like i'm making it sound like it's a dilbert cartoon or something oh um God. sorry to like oh we're on a coffee i don't know whatever those no i know what you it it it, yeah. it really captured the like 90s gen x like rolling on we on we around work, which proved mm-hmm. to be very prescient considering the people our age and younger. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, oh, it's all everybody's contract. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll talk about Office Killer then, since I think that actually is a good companion piece oh. to mm-hmm. Clock Watchers because it came out in 97 as oh. well. It's I think Cindy Sherman's only feature um yeah. as a director. I mean, so Cindy Sherman. most people probably know is like a very (laughs) well-known photographer she does the series of herself dressed up in these costumes I mean just in case you don't know that look her up she does cool stuff um so it stars Carol Kane as uh Doreen Douglas she's a proofreader for Constant Consumer Magazine that's another very 90s like magazine title so her job is turned into uh, an at-home position during this downsizing at the hands of Jean Triplehorn, who's like Ooh. the who's been promoted to be the office manager who whips things into shape. And Carol Kane just doesn't really know how to cope. She accidentally kills one of her horrible coworkers, and then <laughs> whoopsies, <laughs> and one of those classic. Um, like Rube Goldberg machine type oh my um, God, I love it. accidents. And she's like, if she's like, should I call the police? Should I call 911? Oh no, I'll just take his body home in my LeBaron. And <laughs> Le she realizes Baron. that if she's going to be at home, she may as well have some pals to co-work with. And she, so she slowly um, turns into an office killer and brings some of her coworkers home with her <gasps> to hang out oh in her God. basement layer. So yeah, Carol Kane is so great at this because her character is mousy, like you said, but then, I mean, the underside of her is full, just, you know, right under the surface, ready to snap yeah. and do some murders. Yeah. And then Molly Ringwald is in it as this, the really kind of brassy, sassy secretary type mm-hmm. also features Michael Imperioli, 
like looking fine as hell. Oh. Freaking Christopher. Ooh. Yeah. Christopher as Ginger yeah. Lawrence, yeah. like hot computer it. boyfriend. <laughs> uh, and Ooh. then Eric Bogosian is also in it. It was like in flashbacks. It's, it's really fun. <laughs> it's a fun movie. It's also, I feel like a very on topic because she's being forced to do remote work and she's just like, I can't, like, she can't deal with any change in her environment. Um, that wasn't me. I mean, I, I love remote work, but, but yeah. she, um, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's like very black comedy. I don't know how many people have seen it. Like I've, I saw it a long time ago and then I watched it again for this and it's just a good time. Like I just need, I need more, I think it was actually I don't remember if it was Miramax or something like that like it got some distribution but mm-hmm. we need more of these like little kind of movies that oh are just, yeah I don't know funny but not trying too hard it doesn't totally mm-hmm. work but uh who doesn't love a proofreader gone mad very underrepresented I would assume and um <laughs> I, was I, was like, I don't remember <laughs> but yeah um and it's been on my list for a while. I definitely have, I, I can fully see it on like my movie. Like, you know, I always remember yeah. the stills on movie. They're just like uh, imprinted on my brain. And so I can like imagine, I think Molly Ringwald with like a scarf, like around her neck. I'm assuming she's about to yeah. or something. Yeah. Okay. Um, Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, and sorry, when you said um, Carol Kane, that kind of bubbling below the surface uh kind of going cuckoo um that reminds me of a movie that i will never probably fully talk about in here unless hopefully i haven't already um the mafu cage which uh you know we've talked about this like the dicometer you know they're oh, like yeah. oh yeah how dicey is this it would like the needle would break on this thing it's so oh. like it's so ugly you know but at the same time there's i mean it's like any movie like there's some things to hate about some things like about as far as costumes and whatever. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, she's, uh, left at home. Yeah. She's like a recluse and she's, I think her father was, sorry, I hear I said, I wasn't going to talk about it. Anyways, her father's like an anthropologist. Um, and then she, uh, just goes really mad. (laughs) I don't know. And things happen, but, um, oh yeah. And there's like a, a, I don't primate, I don't know, uh, animals. (laughs) There's some sort of orangutan (laughs) or something in it. Point being, uh, that's it just came to mind, and no one should watch it because it's yikes. Um, oh. But oh yeah, I was gonna say sorry, sorry. I love. I'm like, I'm not gonna talk about this. But anyway, um, <laughs> but I will talk about it in but extreme detail. I'll warn you. Uh, uh, I was gonna say, where is Office Killer uh, available? Oh, um, you can get it on DVD from Interlibrary Loan <laughs> oh, or Region or, Two. Or- yeah. No, full all region. Um, it's uh on Amazon Prime, I think, and looks like that's where it is right now, according to Letterboxd. Yeah. But I've that's seen right. it; it's shown up other places. Okay. Um, because neither. Yeah, I've seen it. I don't know. I mean, they'll put any old damn thing on Criterion Channel. Okay, so it, maybe it'll show up on Criterion. <laughs> Sherman, she's like a big deal. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure if she no. got offered. It's actually kind of amazing that she didn't make another movie after this, unless she just didn't want to. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. It's definitely been on the on the list. Uh, oh, it was. It was also co-written by Tom Kalen, who is like considered like a founding sort of uh, member of like the new queer cinema movement. So there is like actually huh? an interesting that component. Gotcha. But. 
Um, well, my next one, this was another one. This is one that was maybe a shoehorned in as an actor and a, and a spy. Are they are these jobs? You know what I mean? Are these really jobs? But anyway, I just want to talk about it. So the little drummer girl from 2018 directed by uh, uh, Park Chan-wook and uh, based on the book by John le Carré. Um, and this one somehow passed me by. I just heard about it semi-recently and it was like an AMC series, um, mini series. And uh, it blew me away. And so basically it's uh, Florence Pugh. Did I say her name? Sure. I don't know. Um, from Midsummer. I don't know. Um, she plays a 1970s left-leaning British actor who is recruited to spy for, I believe, Mossad to play the role of the girlfriend. Okay, follow me here. Girlfriend of a recently fallen member of the PLO. So she basically, they want her to infiltrate this, this family of that fallen member um specifically to stop the the brother of the dead guy who is a skilled bomber so the head of, of the this Mossad operation is michael shannon and uh he's you know like i said hopefully hoping she'll get close enough kind of playing this part of this like imaginary girlfriend um to infiltrate them uh or this organization and then you know they'll do what they do which is go and then kill everybody uh so uh so, but luckily, like most uh, John Le Carre novels, you know, you soon realize there are uh, there are no good guys, uh, or the you know the quote unquote good guys are are the villains. So the main reason I actually wanted to talk about this, uh, maybe not so much the work aspect, is um, speaking of something though that's underrepresented for me uh, in in films for probably the last twenty five years is any impressive costumes, like. Hmm. Um, Again, that's work related. This is something I keep my eye on. Um, but I, I'm really struggling to think of any movie. I, there's a couple here and there. And I, I'm not talking about costume, you know, period dramas or something like that, where it's like, of course, like if your costumes are based around the fashions of the 1920s, but anything that's like, well, this isn't set in the modern era. I understand that, but I'm still wildly impressed by it. Um, but yeah, costume design was gorgeous the sets it's just that perfect 70s but like 70s and really stylish not like everything is like browns and beige and there's an eeriness to her taking on the role of this imaginary girlfriend um and she's like rehearsing and improvising deep background with um fellow spy alexander skarsgård and uh you can tell that they're developing a romance uh in i mean in the real life of the show um, it's hard to like everything's like layered. So it's like in real life, <laughs> right. but real life, that's whatever of the story. Um, so Skarsgård acts as a stand-in for her imaginary, I don't know, dead boyfriend, I guess. They travel to various locations um, around Europe and all in service to the believability of her future performance. Oh yeah. And then there's also an importance. There's an importance to the costume as far as like he gives her specific things to wear and she's like, I would never wear this. And he's like, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, this is what your character would wear. So she's wearing these very specific, like, jewel tone dresses and stuff. That's not her, like, kind of crunchy vibe. And um, just to kind of help her slip into the role. And so this whole, like, what's real? What's imagined? You know, because you're like, are they falling in love? And, like, basically they'll go to, like, a location. And he'll be like, this is where we met. Because he's trying to ingrain it in her brain, like how do I say kind of this is it sense memory I don't know anything about acting but you know you're supposed to sort of like 
do a lot of like <laughs> pretending, but you know what I mean? Like kind of do a sensory, <laughs> like, almost, you know, truly pretend it's real. And so they're doing a lot of like, this is the room where, you know, this is the night we first made love and this and that, you know what I mean? And it's like, just so she'll remember. So that way the memory will seem real when mm. she's talking to the, uh, the people later on. And so it kind of reminded me of in the mood for love, uh, by one car. Why? But I was gonna say, if you don't care for this version, there is also a 1984, uh, movie adaptation of the book of the same name starring Diane Keaton. And I'm kind of curious about it. It's directed by George Roy Hill, who did our beloved slap shot. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm sure it's not great, uh, <laughs> but I do want to see it. Um, and uh, I was going to say, as far as where um, the 2018 version is available, um, you can, I think, pay $2 per episode on Prime. So that'd be $12, which yikes, I know. Um, yeah. Or do it like a free one week. Sorry to get into the nitty gritty, but just but basically you can do like a free like AMC or Sundance trial for, you know, with Lars's helpful I'm, hits. I just, you know, I like to get into the nitty gritty. When someone's like, yeah. yeah, it's available. Like sometimes I'm like, okay, yeah, if it's something that's on every platform, but if right. it's like, I agree. specific, like you have to go prime to Prime and do a sundance <laughs> trial i also like freebies you know what i mean so I'm exactly like, for free and you know what i i appreciate that and i appreciate you reminding me when i forget to say that because i <laughs> i am so sick of when people act like i have like every platform i'm like i'm sorry yeah i've got a lot but i really do choose <laughs> yeah, yeah so thank you I yeah. for one appreciate it. And look, this all I'll look for that Sundance trial. Yeah. And I and I also um I feel like well they say, oh yeah, this relevant this information is gonna be relevant for I mean who knows how long you know oh, right, I mean? of I'm like, so you know, this is a uh, time stamp recording. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In uh, summer 2021, this is yeah, what you yeah. can do. Yeah, we should send out a newsletter and just oh really <laughs> it's like those weird it's things. You know, when you're like trying to find something and like something comes up, that's like some weird ass website. You don't want to click on. That's like some kind of spam thing. That's like where to watch X, Y, Z. And it's oh, yeah. like weird ads. That's Our newsletter will that. just be a pop-up actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a pop-up <laughs> with like a little eight bit gift of our faces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That actually sounds kind of cool. I know I'm making it sound better than it would be Yeah, um, for the, like the eight cents a year it would generate. <laughs> I just had a whole vision of us like being like like scammers on the internet. <laughs> like, oh, oh man, that's there's hey, there's an underrepresented job. Let me just yeah, say, but you know what? I'll well, save that I, for my pitch. I've got a pitch. little radar uh, oh, thing okay. about, that's kind of related to that. So uh, yeah, we'll have to okay, we'll circle, we'll back. Back. circle back. <laughs> we'll circle back. We'll circle back to the scammer. Thing. Uh, okay, so my movie. I love this movie, and I hope that everyone watches it. And I know you've seen it. Uh, Working Girls by Lizzie Ooh. Borden. Oh, yeah. 1986. So Lizzie Borden also did Born in Flames, another masterpiece, in my opinion. Working Girls is, uh, so it's fictional, but it is basically the a day in the life of uh, several sex workers at a kind of upscale New York brothel. I actually, I don't know what, but I mean, that's yeah. how it, it's like, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it's just, but I just really want to emphasize that it is just about a day at work. You know, the women fully like clock in and they're like hanging out just like if you've ever worked any service job, honestly, yeah. you're, you're there, you're like chatting with your coworkers. You're kind of like um, negging your coworkers. And then like, you have to deal with the stupid customers who come in and want to be catered to. And, 
Um, it's not glamorizing and nor is it sort of, how do I put this? It's not like trauma porn. I mean, it's really just like women clocking in and doing their jobs. Mm -hmm. Like it's a very, again, this is 1986 and knowing Lizzie Borden's politics, it's not surprising that she's like sex work is work. Mm -hmm. All work sucks and all bosses suck. Yeah. That's like the, I would say the three theses of this movie. Although there is one point where the main character, Molly, who's played by Louise Smith, like it was mostly like non-professional actors, like off-Broadway actors who were in this, which I think really helped with this. Um, But at one point she says to the madam, who's like a former working girl who then opened her own brothel. She's like, Lucy, have you ever heard of surplus value? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then Lucy's like, I went to a good school too. Don't you use your fancy Harvard words with me. But it's just, I can't express enough. I mean, it's really just like, it really emphasizes how boring it is. It's like, you're waiting for the Johns to come in mm-hmm. and then they like come in and then you like have to do the thing and you have to make sure, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the, even the process is like the minutia of work where you're like, it's mm-hmm. almost like how, when, you know, when someone does a return and you have to be like, okay, do I have the receipt? Do the tags on? It's like, okay, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, don't ask like, don't ask for any money until you take him upstairs and tell him to get completely comfortable, meaning he has to be fully nude. And then you can ask him for money and then you take the money. Like, it's just such a yeah. great, I just think it's, it was like so out of its time. I think it's mm-hmm. so genius. And I think that it should be like forced upon any sex worker exclusionary feminists so that they understand it's like, this is fully like like the sort of radical, like the good version of radical kind of like Sylvia Federici style, like feminist era, sort of like seventies and eighties and like put it in a movie, but it's like a fun movie because you just yeah. see these women. Um, yeah. They're just like going through a day at work, man. And work. Yeah. it sucks. It's annoying. Your boss gets on your ass and then tries to be nice, mm-hmm. but you're like, screw you. Um, ask yeah. you to stay longer. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I remember it being really enjoyable. Like I was like, I could watch like two more hours of this. It was totally. just so yeah, humane and funny. And um, I think I, I thought I remember there being like some pretty good style in it. Some oh, like, yeah. you know, 80s, you know, mm-hmm. style. Yeah, I, I saw that I mean quite a few number of years ago now. So I don't remember every little detail, but I do, yeah, I'm yes, it's fully just, on board. Yeah. I'd, it could I'd totally be a show. You're right. Mm-hmm. It, I would oh, totally yeah. watch this show. I mean, it just really digs into some of the stuff where it's like, you know, the boss just like oh well I'm not I don't exploit like the other place it's like I'm a woman like I know I don't know it's just such a great indictment of that style I mean it would be you definitely are like these girls need to make this a worker-owned co-op that's like that's really the like vision you come away with but um it's just so great I mean it it might make I think it would be uncomfortable for people who don't realize how similar sex work can be to any Mm -hmm. other kind of service work really any other yeah. or like care work. I mean, it's, it's, um, it really underlines that in such a great way. I think it's, I think it's really a masterwork and I got it. I got to tell you, I went, <laughs> I picked it up on DVD from work. So it oh. you can get it from the library. She did have it on her YouTube for a while and her Vimeo, I think. So she hmm. does like, she made it available. Um, she actually made it available during the pandemic. It was like, you know, everyone stays oh. safe, like especially sex workers. Um, anyway, it's good to just know. I love when a director just stays radical. Let's just put it that way. Okay. On a t- totally different turn. <laughs> this is one. Okay. Yeah. So again, maybe more shoehorned in. I love that. I knew you would cover like labor rights. So I was like, I can just be like the little, like, you know, I'm the baby of the family. I'm going to come in with like in a frilly dress. And I'm like, talk about, I don't know. Anyway. So this is called nothing lasts forever. 1984 
directed by Tom Schiller. And I will say, while only mildly on topic, um, this is uh, exactly the kind of film I'm uh, constantly searching for on my quest for hidden gems. So, and that is to say, it's not even some like super independent you know, film made by nobodies. <laughs> um, this is like a film. I, I think it's actually more, um, I don't know, insane that it's like a film written and directed by a writer of SNL, Saturday Night Live, uh, produced by Lauren Michaels, who I have problems with, but I'm just saying as far as like it being known, kind of uh, yeah. yeah, the fame of the film or whatever. Um, it has cameos by Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and starring the guy from The Gremlins which was a very famous movie. And, you know, again, like this was, and I think it was technically made in 1982 and kind of, well, released, quote unquote, in 84. So anyway, so I'm just saying this guy was hot. It's got all these like hot, you know, uh, it just had every reason to be seen, be successful, um, had every advantage, right? But yet it has not seen the light of day pretty much um, since it was, completed um it was as far as i know and i and i looked at the information on this a minute ago so i could be off by a, a few numbers but i basically i don't think it was ever released in theaters it was maybe like screened i think it got like if it, even that it got like negative audience reaction i don't even know if there was like another edit or anything like that i think it just like got shelved and was maybe on european television like 10, oh. years, 10 years later or something like maybe a couple times then I think uh, as far as the history of it, I'll get to the actual, sorry, the story of it, but it's just, I'm so um, flummoxed <laughs> that it was just like, anyway, it was just completely forgotten, brushed aside. Um, and I think Bill Murray tried to get to have like a screening at like Alamo Draft House or who knows, some, somewhere um, like in 2004 and maybe like try to get on DVD. Um, and he's barely in the movie. I think this was just as a favor. But anyways, <laughs> okay. So all I have to say is this like, well, I would say storied history, except a story that no one's ever seen or heard about or cares about, but me. Um, so the movie, it's black and white, <laughs> uh, it's sort of a dystopian musical fantasy, which stay with me, um, <laughs> was sort of like, but it's got like that Guy Madden sort of like level of like the love of early cinema. And so especially like the opening credits, it comes in with like, you for just like a split second you're like oh wait this really is old this really is from the 30s because it, it they fully get the graphics right and so there's definitely a lot of touchstones of like 30s to 60s cinema he's kind of mixing it up there but um but it works so the story follows adam who moves to new york city uh to become an just an artist he doesn't really specify seems like he's into music he's into a little bit of everything um but yeah uh moves to new york to become an artist but in this sort of dystopian alternate universe world um he must first take a like a test like you got to take a job test see it has to do with jobs i mean he's like you got to, <laughs> you gotta take a job test um uh, before you become an artist and so he's just gonna sit in this like weird little room and <laughs> anyways he has to like sketch like a like this basically this sheet falls or something or you know this door slides open this like naked woman's there it's like you, you got one minute to sketch her and of course like what what is this and he like does a terrible job apparently sketching her and they're like well you're not really cut out to be an artist so uh that was your one shot so you're gonna direct that was that you, you had your chance um and so you're gonna direct traffic in the holland tunnel which it, you're like for a half second you're like okay and then you're like wait a minute that makes no sense of course <laughs> absurdist so he is stuck in this dead-end job that you know basically just him at like a toll booth just like yeah well i don't know it doesn't really show him doing much of anything 
he discovers a secret underground community of people that are, I, I guess are trying to, this movie's kind of vague about a lot of things. Anyways, they're basically trying to like save the souls of like the above ground uh, folk, the, you know, doing the oh. nine to five grind. Um, and they assign Adam to help them on their mission, I guess. Again, unexplained, really. Um, he takes a sh- <laughs> This sounds so dumb as I'm saying it, but it makes sense <laughs> in the moment. He takes a shuttle. He takes, he takes like a Greyhound bus slash cruise to the moon with like a bunch of old people. I don't know. Anyway, so he's basically, it's like, it looks like a cruise ship as far as like the vibe, but it's like a Greyhound bus. And he's is there with a bunch of old folks. Uh, goes to the moon, which is like a, a tourist destination, kind of like a okay Hawaii in the fifties kind of vibe. I don't know. Um, finds his soulmate there, played by Lauren Tom, who um, I guess she had an important role in Friends. I don't. Again, I'm sorry, I don't know. And she did a lot of voice work on like Futurama. She's Amy Wong. Uh, and anyway, she apparently she does like she's done a ton of voice work. Anyway, they're soulmates. They fall in love, and Adam. <laughs> making this sound so bad anyway basically <laughs> apparently he succeeds at his whole mission and he gets to become an artist like again oh. kind of a lot of things where you're like oh i've missed a scene oh <laughs> go back yeah, that like, happens to me a lot with movies yeah and then but, you're like oh no <laughs> no that's just they're just like zipping along so like i said um but you know it's one of those movies where it's not really about it making sense it's just kind of like a frothy light charming little movie that's like about 82 minutes long i just i guess like again the headline for me was again not that i mean I, I totally enjoy this movie i'm just like shocked that it had so much like i don't know backing or, or like what's the pedigree or whatever the word would be and and yeah it's not for everyone but it's still like a unique vision and like you know what i mean there's so much to enjoy about it. i just i'm shocked that uh that it just kind of disappeared before it even had a chance to you know be seen at all so anyway it sounds hard to market is that yeah I mean, am i out of line there it sounds based on your description I'm like it sounds yeah. like a tough like a tough sell potentially yeah. I like, know, okay, but- hear me up but yeah. i can see how maybe that's why you know where it's like where do we fit this in like what yeah how is it it's- yeah that I could see how that could be the barrier sometimes with movies like that. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely. Um, and it's clocking. I mean, I think anytime movies less than 90 minutes, people like for like, oh, wait, is it it's basically a short film? I don't know. I mean, no, yeah. but it definitely has a lot of the bearings of a short film. And I think this guy, I say he wrote for SNL. I think he he may have done a lot of those kind of weird uh, shorts in the 80s. And I don't know a ton about SNL in the 80s, like early 80s. But like, I know there were a lot of like black and white kind of existential shorts. So I, I have a feeling he did a lot of like the weirder stuff on us. Right. Where you're like, huh. um, <laughs> yeah, all right. I was going to say, I don't think he, he didn't do a ton of other stuff that I know. I, I just mostly saw a lot of SNL stuff. And it's kind of just, this movie's available with some, some clever Googling. I think there's a, I don't know if it's a, you might know, I think there's like a Russian YouTube that's like ok.ru. Sorry if this is like a terrible scandalous website or oh, I something. I don't know anything but, about this. Okay, no. okay. Um, I've seen some other movies on there. Um, but yeah, basically uh, it's really hard to find, but if you maybe do some clever Googling, you could uh, come upon it. Or, so, you know, you have yeah. access to a library, then a library loan. Give it a shot. Maybe That's you true. could get the DVD. Yeah, if it exists. <laughs> if it exists. Yeah. 
there's really no transition here. Yeah, let's get back into <laughs> the serious. Gonna... This is the, the, I give you the froth and then you give me, you know, yeah. what actually um, matters in the world. Yes. <laughs> my, yeah, this movie goes well, would be a great double feature with working girls. So you could watch working mm-hmm. girls and then you could watch live nude girls unite, which came out in 2000 directed by Julia query and Vicky Funari has a co-directing credit. So it is a documentary about the 1996-97 unionization drive at the Lusty Lady Peep Show in San Francisco. So the Lusty Lady, there's also a Seattle location. I used to wait Ooh. for the bus there after high school, <laughs> like on my way home from school. All I ever knew, all I knew about it in the early 2000s was that it had really clever, really clever marquees, like they're race is really clever. But what I didn't know was that in the nineties, there was this awesome movement by the women who worked at the peep show to fight back against the management in the San Francisco shop. Uh, because the management would do things like, um, they had like one-way mirrors and some of the, like, it was fully like a, a peep show where the girls were in one room and then you would go, to a window and the window would open you oh, like put in a quarter or whatever like, like Paris, really old Texas kind of thing yeah totally right um they would kind of turn to turn a blind eye to people recording them um oh. they actually would have their schedules where it would be like race-based like they're like oh we can't have the black or latinx girls uh on the schedule too much like, we got to have a lot of busty blondes oh, you know just geez. all the stuff that was totally illegal yeah. And they didn't have, you know, like paid sick time or holidays or anything like that. Well, this is 1990s San Francisco, baby. And a lot of these women are in full on, you know, grad studies for like women's studies. They are, you know, radical queer organizers. So they got fed up and they got together and they actually approached the SEIU and uh, got a successful union drive going. So it is a totally inspiring uplifting mm. look at like the nitty gritty of unionization efforts so obviously unions are on a lot of people's minds people our age and younger actually have really positive views of unions which is great mm-hmm. but a lot of us don't really necessarily know like the like the the in-depth kind of questions that come up you know mm-hmm. we think about the amazon workers but unless you've read a lot of like jane mcclavy or something it's hard to know like, okay, wait, so you have to have a certain number of people sign cards and then you have to actually like get them to vote. But then once you vote, it's like, then you have to get the contract. And actually the bargaining contract is like one of the hardest parts. Well, this really gets into the whole nitty gritty of it. And I should say the documentary is directed by one of the girls who worked there. Oh, okay. So it's just a really in-depth look at like these women banding together and actually successfully organizing a union and winning a contract. There's also... I mean, it's so 90s. So there's also a subplot of the director is also featured and there's a like a sort of second wave, third wave feminist conflict because her mom was a OBGYN who worked with sex workers in New York, like providing medical care, mm-hmm. who is completely horrified that her daughter works at a peep show. So it's like she is very like the mom is very willing to like help these poor women on the streets. But doesn't fully see them as equals. You can tell, like actually looks down on sex work and sees it as like dehumanizing. Whereas her daughter sees it in a completely different way, a healthier way. Let's be honest. Um, and I actually, after I watched the documentary, I learned that there is a book called neon girls 
let me look it up and I'll find the author because actually it's available through the Libby app. You can you can <gasps> get the ebook or the um, audio book, and it actually details even more about the efforts of the Lusty Lady Workers. Jennifer Worley is the author. It came out in 2020, hmm. and it also follows them through the point where they became a worker-owned co-op, the dream. So they, beyond just unionizing and becoming like a union shop, like I think the only unionized like peep show, strip show in the country, they also eventually became a worker-owned co-op, which is great. And I should say, I keep saying women, there were also um, people who were not women, including men who were staff who also were engaged in the union Mm -hmm. efforts. It's a great companion piece to working girls. I think different types of sex work, but I do think there's also an aspect where they're like, yeah, it's just work. It's just work. You clock in and sometimes you don't feel it. And sometimes you have to smile at people you don't want to smile at. And sometimes like, you know, you just get through the day. So that's it. And you know, it's, if you want to be inspired to unionize your own workplace or to get more involved in your shops efforts, uh, it's a good, it's a good motivator. James would love this. I can tell. Um, I'll definitely have to tell him about it. And we'll watch oh, it's it. on Canopy. Um, it's on Canopy. Canopy. It's on Canopy. All right. The, the dream. <laughs> the dream. Yes, exactly. It's that time once again. We're going to build a pitch. We're we're d- contributing our labor. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> bring forth a movie into this world for That's you. That's true. I mean, I would love for these ideas to be, I mean, just oh, yeah. going and be a full production. So I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, if people want to give us some credit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to write the screenplay, but yeah, no, but the, we're, just, the we're, we're just pitching ideas. Yeah, exactly. Elevator yeah, exactly. Pitches um, elevator pitches that last like seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a long elevator. It's a really it's a- tall building. It's long elevated to the top, baby. Um, um, all right. So I think you're leading this yes. time. But I will just so, say real quick, uh, a title. So yeah, we both bring, you know, oh, two yeah. elements uh, and we pitch a film on the fly. Um, I usually uh, try to, along the way, I'm usually finding wild, wacky titles um, that I'm like, so this could be the working title. Uh, doesn't have to have anything to do with what we're talking about. Um, kind of work related a, a little bit. Um, I stumbled upon a title of a Russian film from 1964 called Give Me the Complaints Book. And I was just like, that's, I mean, that's brilliant. Anyway, so <laughs> um, yeah, I, I want to see that film. Uh, that's a great title. All right. So go. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this goes with that title. Ooh. And <laughs> we'll see how this goes on your dicemeter. So, <laughs> so. My actor is Patty Harrison, who uh, you may know from Shrill. She also is in a new movie with like Ed Helms, I think. It's kind of like a quirky indie comedy. I haven't seen it, Um, but she's very funny on the internet and she's great. And I really want to see her in a lead role that's like even more. She kind of has like that Aubrey Plaza something where it's like the Mm. dark comedy. She can really push things to like an uncomfortable way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so stay with me here. <laughs> I um, recently watched The Woman Who Wasn't There, which is about a woman, Tanya Head, who this is I just really quickly um, 
pretended to be a survivor in the September 11th attacks and like got worked oh, her way yeah. up to being in charge of the survivors like movement. Yeah. And it was a oh. real, um, it's a real, it's a real scammer, the scammer oh. thing. So I'm obsessed with scams. Okay. Sorry. So watching that, I started thinking about, and actually was talking to, to some friends about like people who lie and like build on lies and like tell these, you know, it's like a blueprint of lies. Yeah. Ugh. And so I started thinking about there's so much, it's a type, you know, it's a type of person. What about if Patty Harrison plays a character who she's was kind of a slacker in high school. And then, you know, two years after she graduates, <laughs> this sounds so dicey. <laughs> it sounds so dicey. She's after she graduates, there's a school shooting at her high school. Okay. But she is, I mean, she, that's just, she's left. Yeah. Okay. Man. And she's just working at like the pizza shop or whatever. And she sees it on the news. And then she sees all these little tryhards that she went to school with becoming really famous for having been survivors of the school shooting. Mm-hmm. And then she reads that like, they're starting to get into like Princeton, Yale, all these things because of oh, their like right. amazing. So their she's essays like, and stuff, yeah, yeah. She's like, this little jerk can get in. Like, you know what? Like I went to that school and maybe I wasn't there right then, but like I could have mm-hmm. been. And so she writes yeah. an essay and gets into X, Y, Z say like mm-hmm. Princeton or whatever. Yeah. No big deal. Like she kind of is like, oh yeah, that's my thing. Like I'm a survivor of a school shooting mm-hmm. lives her life. It's always been like a detail of her life, but then at a certain point, maybe like, cause now we're going to go into the present day, like 10 years later, uh, her alumni magazine wants to write a piece on her as like someone who survived this shooting yeah, and yeah. like, isn't she so inspiring? Mm-hmm. And it sets off like a chain of events where like, she can't come clean that she wasn't actually there. So she mm-hmm. has to keep going with it especially yeah Yeah. so I'm picturing like her working in like a media company or something it's like this is so perfect like we knew they kind of were like oh yeah you had mentioned something about this but she never really talks about it because she just wants to like get on with her life and be like yeah I kind of scam my way into college but then it basically just turns into I'm picturing like a citizen Ruth vibe where people are like you're like the you're like the icon you're gonna be oh what an inspiring story and then it just she just has to keep telling more and more lies to Mm -hmm. like become believable and hope that none of the people actually like call her out on it. Yeah. Well, for some reason I'm like, what if she, and maybe you have like, there's like reasons for this, but like, what if instead of like, it was her, like the year that she did go to school, but maybe she was like sick that day. So it's oh, see, that's like, where I like, started, but then okay. So I started there, but then I thought it would be a little too much like how big, like she could have been still there. You're dealing I don't know. with the aftermath. You're, you're still right, dealing right. with the like, it felt mm. like I fully felt like she should be lying about her age and or like say, she's mono or something. Okay. But yeah, maybe the age could be part of it too. Yeah. Just trying to like clean up. Cause also there's something so desperate and sad about someone trying to like pretend to be younger. younger. And, like, yeah. That. yeah. I mean, I can sure. see if you really want her to have been sick, but I just think then she's still trying because it'd be like her classmates and stuff. I don't yeah, know. Still people that's in her immediate yeah. world and whatever, um, and her teachers and yeah, it's just, she has to go back there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. And it is one of those where it's almost a film that like, this sounds weird, but like, it seems like a nineties film because it's stuff that you can't really, I don't think people, it would be allowed. You know what I mean? I don't think totally, you know what I mean? I feel like it wouldn't be made. Like I was pitching this to Joel and he's like, you couldn't get this made now, but you could have gotten it made in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly. They were, they were just a little more, I hate to be like PC please. No. Um, but I mean, yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, 
Um, but like, because it's like, it's a thing that's, it's very taboo. Definitely. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. We can't even, even now I feel like, oh my God, like, should we be talking about this? Um, no, that's fantastic. And I actually think the title does kind of work a little bit. Mm. Um, so my actor, my little throwing a wrench in, and it's, it's barely even a wrench because sometimes my, my trope that I'm, you know, if there's a, if you're doing a pitch and my little thing I'm throwing in, isn't so much a trope as like more of a line or an attitude or something. So, okay. So the actor I had in mind that I just want to see more of is um, he's, uh, I guess, most known for play- playing Guillermo in uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the series. And his name's Harvey uh, Guillen, I believe. And um, yeah, he's just like known as like this really, or at least the role I know him from. Yeah. He's like very sweet and absolutely oh, He should lovable. totally be the kid that she sees on, like the guy who's like actually earnest and actually is a survivor oh, yeah. of the school shooting. And then mm-hmm. there has to be some kind of conflict between like head to head where it's like he's also really prominent in like gun mm-hmm. safety or something, but yeah, he's yeah. earnest about it. And then, right. I feel like yeah. they would be a good yeah, I can definitely see the the I don't not chemistry exactly, but the yeah, the how they play off each other. Yeah. yeah he's like if he I mean it's like if he played the exact same character of Guillermo, um, I'm sure he can do more, but I do I would like to see that dynamic. I could see him being a little bit more of like like he is a do-gooder, but it is a little like Tracy Flick-ish, you know, where he's mm. like, Well, I'm but I'm in charge of this. Like I'm the yeah. base of our school shooting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, you. I can see that. I can like, see that. Vibe. Like the sort of like she didn't even go here then. Oh yeah. Maybe he's actually, or maybe, yeah, maybe flip it. And he's more of the like, kind of nemesis. Like I'm going to figure her, I'm going to find out. I don't know. I can yeah. see it either way. I'm down for mm-hmm. either way. Either he's super sweet. Yeah. It'd probably it'd be a little more acerbic kind of uh, if he was like, yeah, the Tracy flick of it all. Yeah. I can see that. Um, So my little trope is, and again, there is uh, now that we've been doing nearly three years, there's such a chance I'm there's an 85% chance I'm going to end up repeating tropes without even realizing it. Yeah. But my trope that I might have mentioned before is just basically someone saying this line. It's a very 70s line, very 70s, kind of a, a middle class, like someone's at a party and they, or like kind of middle upper intelligentsia sort of class. But um, where someone's like, oh, I've got to go home and work on my book, work on my novel. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that <laughs> so definitely I, I could be thrown in there. I feel like I can see that. Maybe she even says that. Oh, she yeah, says yeah. that, too. Harvey Guillen when he's like trying to confront her at some like gun like gun yeah, control yeah. like thing and she's yeah. like excuse me I'm oh, gonna go home and work on my book which yeah. I have an advance for like basically yeah, yeah. like very yeah. competitive with each other like yeah. she doesn't want it I feel like when I see her as like being like kind of forced into this but then she like ends up being like well why can't I be like the sort of face of this and then like yeah. their competition like ends up poisoning things a bit that's what I can yeah I, I can't think of like a good ending like, you know, obviously you want to bring it full circle, the kind of Chekhov's yeah. gun of it all. Right. Of, like, where it's like, the, you know, where she'll, she'll, she'll be found out because there's yeah, no she'll way be found she out be. or like, I'm like, will she like stop shooting? I don't know. I'm sure there's something again, poor taste, poor taste. Um, but, you know, in a, in a saving, uh, you know, a redemption arc. But no, I don't like I don't want her to be redeemed. I want her to be just to stay, uh, you know, awful <laughs> anyway. Well, you know, it's like. Speaking of John Early, I mean, wasn't that like a plot line for his character in Search Party that he had like claimed to have survived oh, something? Yeah. And then uh, he, yeah. Yeah. Cancer. Uh, yeah. 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 So I love a good, yeah, scam story. I mean, yeah, um, which I'll get into in, in Radar. But um, yeah, I love Patty Harrison. I love this idea. And I will give you a check 
for <laughs> two million dollars right now. To- <laughs> Lars is a risk taker. Yeah, She's I'm like, a- we're bringing. <laughs> 90s boundary pushing back. Yeah, uh, it'll ruin me. Uh, no, yeah, this is Shark Tank. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's also like there's such a um, you can make a lot of money on TED Talk circuits, and I feel like yeah. there's a way that like this could be a good skewering of that. Like there's grifters mm-hmm. on in all mm-hmm. of all types. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could be funny, especially if you get into that competition where they both want to be like the alpha in in like this sort of um. I know what you mean. Yeah. The, the, how do you call that? The memoir, the hero, the, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, I fully, I stand behind this. I, I want to see it. (laughs) Okay. So what have I been watching? Or I do have a few, a couple podcasts, a couple of, well, we'll see or, what I can yeah, get to. But yeah, just generally, what have things. you been experiencing? Ooh, listen to that. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll start by saying I, I took your advice from long ago and watched Cruising. Uh, oh. the 1980 William Freaky movie. You're right. I actually think it is totally time for people to revisit it. It is such a, it is an anti-cop movie. If I ever saw one again, I don't know if Friedkin intended the product mm-hmm. that he ended up with, but like, what an interesting exploration of how fucked up police are. And it was a, actually su- surprisingly, nuanced about like queer experience like again it's really focused on like a specific fetish scene i thought it would be way more shocking based on the way people talked about it but i didn't mm-hmm. i mean maybe my brain yeah. is just like completely yeah we're jaded down. Yeah. but it's like such a good like american jello oh, loved it yeah. so definitely i you were so right and i thank you for <sighs> that love, suggestion that. yeah i and al pacino yeah. looks hot as hell in it, so yeah <laughs> um like a- i definitely have like uh or james is kind of made me become obsessed with like and again we could get into tom of finland leather daddy obviously is like playing up on some you know fascist sort of you know right. uh, we can get into that but basically i still do like love that look and yeah he's pulling it off i love just being surrounded by it it's everything's so sweaty and gritty and oh my god the yeah, dancing love, scene the uh, scene in the club when he's dancing it is like i mean it's ooh. divine yeah. it is ooh. yeah so it's super recommend that oh boy so you know start your uh pride month with that yeah <laughs> movie that was like protested at the time but oh I yeah see, i understand i understand why people did it at the time but you know what like that's also like an industrial complex of like that sort of human rights council or whatever that's like was all about like marriage equality and stuff but yeah, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't open up to like a really full queer experience at all yeah. like it doesn't account for that so totally give it a watch it's on criterion um i also watched living dead girl from 1982 by jean roland jean roland oh yeah yeah yeah. i think you've seen it um you might have even suggested it but it's basically like a toxic spill revives this heiress (laughs) in her beautiful french country home and she becomes hmm vampire zombie i'm actually not really sure which oh yeah all his movies all his movies and Jess Franco, I'm like, so are you like vampire 
or like, <laughs> I don't know. Like they're ghouls. They're just, they're ghouls, yeah. ghouls. But what's so gorgeous about it is like, it's like this relationship with her childhood friend who, I mean, it's a, it's a romantic relationship. So again, we're keeping with pride month, whether the directors know it or not, who is like, I'll do anything to keep you alive. And like, we'll bring you, um, we'll bring you, uh, food in the yeah. form of people. I mean, it looks so gorgeous. It is just a beautiful movie. It doesn't, it doesn't land as a horror movie at all. Mm. Uh, so I totally loved that. And it's on Tubi and it's on Canopy. Again, lucky mm. you. It's on Canopy. <laughs> Dynamic duo. <laughs> it is. Uh, what else? Oh, my God. Well, I won't even talk about that. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, watched watched Angel Heart, which is a, an oh, Alan yeah. Parker from 1987 starring uh, Mickey Rourke with like his original face and Robert De Niro. And basically five minutes in, I was like, oh, okay. So the deal is xyz and joel was like well if that's the case this movie totally sucks and i was right so yeah it's a i love a neo-noir but i'm like it has really high ratings and i'm like people you don't have to be this hungry <laughs> like it's yeah so bad it's terrible i i liked it but i uh, i mean i see what you mean completely like yeah it's one of those where and it's definitely a guilty pleasure because uh or you know it's on the decimeter for sure <laughs> yeah, um, for sure but yeah anyway but um but yeah, it's a, I definitely, it's a guilty pleasure, but I, yeah, I realize it's, it's kind of mad. I, <laughs> I hated it. Anyway, he plays a detective that's like hired by a mysterious stranger to track down this singer who's disappeared. It's just, wait, isn't his name like, oh my Johnny. God, like Lou, no, wait, isn't, okay. Uh, well, his name is all, Lou C. Fur or something. Isn't yes. It? Oh my God. <laughs> I was just like, no, I can't do it. I don't know why we kept watching Lewis it. Cypher I did finish Lewis, oh Lewis Cypher. Well, can, Lewis Cypher. You can just imagine what's. Yeah, yeah exactly. So whatever. In terms of, you know, guilty pleasures. I also watched 1996's Extreme Measures by Michael Apted. And yeah. <laughs> it is uh, Hugh Grant plays an emergency room doctor whose patients are disappearing from his like hospital, especially this like, unhoused patients. And he tra- tries to track down what's happening. All you need to know is that there is a uh, research doctor who is doing some experiments and his name is Gene Hackman. Oof. And it's a whole, mm. I mean, it is like the perfect, like trashy nineties thriller. It is ridiculous it is so yeah. fun yeah it is so over the top Sarah Jessica Parker's in it like pr- oh, right, yeah. right before she gets famous again with yeah. sex in the city and it's like you know you're just watching this like Hugh Grant doctor be like what is the truth what are these patients I gotta find out even if it ruins me <laughs> and I I actually watched it because um, my friend and I at work taught a session for med students on pop culture depictions of physicians and like through what? history and like dream. yeah Ooh. it was really fun and we just looked at like you know what tell me the, everything can you go into what, more detail of what you talked about uh yeah like Grey's so, Anatomy <laughs> oh Grey's Anatomy is one of them it's like pop culture but it was basically just like depictions of physicians on film and tv so um I'd have to actually I'd actually okay. have to look at like the list of films and clips that we yeah. picked but we it was like that later yeah. yeah yeah so it's like you know when they're trusted authority figures and then when it's like especially by like the 80s and 90s it's like oh they're like experimenting on people and they're like doctors <laughs> on drugs and stuff like yeah, yeah. that so it's an interesting it was actually it was really fun but anyway I watched it for 
that um to pick a clip and I had a great time I mean I love Gene Hackman so I was like a little bit but I just love a like a if you want like a silly like you can picture the VHS cover 90s or watch that instead of like a sort of the angel heart neo-noir it just this is just I'm sorry but it's better I don't care it's it's more of a crowd pleaser for sure it Um, is it's just more fun um do i have anything else oh i actually never seen terrorizers the edward yang film oh yeah it's a perfect movie so i've never of course that. it is i still haven't seen it but it's on the list um it's on canopy uh, as well oh uh, so. yeah um i need to desperately it's not ne- um, my movies it, never looked better it's never physically I mean, looked better he's the perfect i mean his movies are perfect i'm they sorry are. i know they really say are that. But they really are like so enjoyable. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, um, totally. Well, um, let's see. I'm just gonna run down the list because they're just very random. I'm trying to. I, I went for um, <laughs> what would it be? Wait, breadth? Wait, no. I went for quantity <laughs> over quality. I think <laughs> you know. I, I feel like I've been watching a lot. Um, it's been a busy, a busy week. Uh, oh, totally. Week for me. Uh, move departments and stuff. Anyway, so just running down the list uh, as far as podcasts been obsessed with poog and uh you're contractually obligated to say it's the, the invert you know it's a uh, goop backwards uh anyways with kate berlant jacqueline novak two of my favorite uh comedians just talking about um like wellness wellness industry self-care but uh i mean ostensibly but really it's just like two hilarious people talking about I- anything and everything um and another podcast um the perfect scam which i've been obsessed with and uh, here's what's funny is it is like I don't know sponsored is the word but brought to you by the AARP. So what? oh my yeah. god, it's like for seniors to know to know the it signs is. of scams. And I I know that makes it sound like it's like uh, murder she wrote level of like gentleness, <laughs> but it's just a normal podcast, okay. and it is focused mostly on scams that um, I guess like that veer into like elder abuse. I'm like, you know, like go to like, you know, getting a phone call and uh, being like, we're the IRS and we're about to, there's a warrant out for your arrest. And if you don't go to Walmart right now and buy $20,000 worth of oh, yeah. gift cards and give me all the numbers, then we're going to arrest you or whatever. You know, it's just a fear-based, uh, yeah. you know, so obviously it's, I mean, knock wood, not something I would necessarily fall for. I, as soon as I say that, of course, I'm going to immediately fall for a scam. Um, there's some like romance scams in there. Um, all these things, like I said, I didn't think I was really into, but then as soon as I got into the, like, same with like the 9-11 lady and all that kind of yeah, stuff, I was, just, totally. like, I was like, I'm fully on board for scams. Um, they're just so interesting. Um, Wait. And yeah. Oh, sorry. No. Go oh ahead. yeah. Basically. Uh, anyway, so it's called the perfect scam. Oh yeah. Frank Abagnale, who was the catch me if you can guy in real life, mm-hmm. um, who ended up working for the FBI for like the scam department, whatever that is for like 40 years. Like, okay, here's the scam, you know, just down the line, like, yep, that's scam. And I'm going to tell you what the, the deal is, whatever. He just sees it all is, you know, anyway, um, he's like one of the co-hosts for many of the episodes. Anyways, it's just, yeah, check it out. It's just like a blast. I mean, I say a blast people. Laugh. <laughs> but anyway, can I just, I forgot to mention a pod. Yeah. I didn't, I only thought about movies. So I did want to mention the only new podcast that I've listened to is live at the death factory, which mm-hmm. is hosted by Sean McTiernan, who <gasps> you know, all units calling all yeah. units. So we love his podcast yes. and Astrid Rose, who is like, writes like my favorite film reviews. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's kind of a dream team to people whose taste I completely trust. Yeah. Um, even if I don't always have like the exact same taste, I'm like, Oh, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And it's basically just them 
to having conversations about the about movies they like. Uh, they did one episode that is about um, rape revenge and like exploitation films. Mm -hmm. And then they covered um, the most recent episode is about, uh, let's see, how do they describe it? A lesbian Hesher vampire romance called Red Lips from the 90s. It was like a video, uh, like I think straight to video release, which I'm like, I want to watch it because I loved listening to them talk about it so much. Uh, So I totally recommend Live at the Death Factory. It's super fun. I'm like, well, that's the best podcast. So we're yeah, so off, we're off the even yeah. trying. Anyway, yeah, so tune your dials to, over there. That I will definitely check that out. That sounds. Um, oh yeah, when I was looking for other like uh, work based films, I did watch um, the Garment Jungle, which had been on my movie list for a long time, and I based on the still, I was hoping it was like women in like department stores or or something or like designers. Um, it was not. It was men in the very kind of unglamorous New York garment district uh, in the fifties. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know if I said 1957. So it was definitely about unions and uh, violence of the anti-union uh, guys coming in and, you know, knocking mm. heads together or whatever, pushing people down elevator shafts. Um, but it did have early Robert Loggia. So that was, I was like, oh. wait a minute. I was like, I've never seen him young. And he still looked old, which is, he's one of those, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's totally. Old um yeah so uh, you know it was around it was on like what is it archive.org or something the internet um, archive yep yeah um i watched um wise girls on tubi i think it's got mira servino and mariah carey as basically their waitresses at a um restaurant like owned and run or whatever by the mob and so i kind of thought it was gonna be like cute and you know sort of whatever um it ended up being kind of like pretty violent in places um it wasn't great but there was something kind of weirdly like cutesy like almost like not like a hallmark movie but like it did have like a made for tv like Mm. lifetime like i don't know there was some something weirdly comforting about it but again i can't stress enough it's not great but it exists Uh, if you want to see mariah carey you know uh, and like some female friendship or some you know uh women friendship stuff there um and oh yeah, I saw a joint security area by Park Chan-wook as well. And I, I definitely could have talked about that too. Um, and it's so good. I almost want to save it in case I ever talk about it later, okay. but uh, it's, uh, I think it's on Criterion. Um, and uh, we're talking about streaming services and like ones that like, uh, I don't have all of them, but for some reason I have you know, I skip around and I have gotten Paramount Plus, which I think is like, CBS. oh my God, what? <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's like, so every old weird studio is going to have an old, like, no, uh, I mean, I see them as I, I see it advertised because sometimes I watch bar rescue on Sunday mornings Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're like Paramount plus. And I'm like, who the hell gets this? Well, no, well, I'm the one lone freak that gets it. Um, well, I only get it because Detroiters, which is, um, one of my favorite shows. It was on comedy central for a couple of years. It's got I always get their names conflated. Sam Richardson and Tim Robinson. Um, and they're two buddies in Detroit that run a local like ad agency, like do local ads for like furniture stores. So it's all this like kind of goofy local ads. Um, it's very charming, but again, like kind of have to get around plus, get a trial and just blast through it <laughs> and whatever. Um, oh yeah. And then most importantly, um, part of our Columbo lore uh, that we got going, I bought a Columbo beach towel. I don't know if you saw I it. Saw, I did see it. 
Um, it's so huge. It's like comically huge. And <laughs> his face is my whole body basically. <laughs> and yeah. Um, so yeah, just, so you know, uh, that, that also you can make that have that dream come true. If it looks want. like, um, it reminds me of like the, like, you remember that Prisma app where it would like turn a face into a painting. It's like a painting version yes, of his face it, kind of, yeah. I'm sure they just ran it through something like that. And it's, it's very cheaply made, but, um, but it's side, huge. Yeah. Um, society six i don't know if anyone cares uh yeah get a lot of weird custom shit on there um yeah i think that's that's all the news i got fit to print um yeah. next you have to get a rockford files uh beach doll i've been wanting to explore it. maybe we talked about the last time i can't remember no, um, i think you and yeah. i were talking about okay, it okay off, off like my podcast uh, yeah yeah i i've been very curious i do love james garner and so uh i have a feeling i would like yeah. it i don't know anything about the show really but I watched it a lot as a kid with my grandma. She must have thought James Garner was hot. <laughs> he is. He was. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of other Kojak. I don't know other like uh, detective type of shows. But wait, was Rockford Fell a PI? He's a PI. Yeah. Okay. That's so you, you're, not, you're not like stuck with like the whole cop thing. So that's- yeah, exactly. That's why it's more appealing. So yeah, Rockford Files. I'm gonna look that up and maybe get a towel to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Perhaps you listened while you worked, which I endorse. <laughs> Multitask. Take time from the man. Uh, you can subscribe to keep up with us. We are like switching over to Lars's website as our hosting <laughs> service, so mm-hmm. we'll be the, you'll yeah. be able to get all of the. If you're trying to find the the archive, those will be <laughs> yeah, on uh, absolute freak. Anyway, yeah, I love you. Yeah, that'll be on larskemp.com slash storyboard, I believe. Yeah. Storyboard podcast. Something like that. Yeah, it's we'll like on the menu. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have, uh, we'll have a link in the notes. Uh you can also follow us on Twitter at storyboard underscore pod. I tweet occasionally. And then Lars is better about um uh keeping up our instagram at storyboard podcast sometimes i remember to post the thing there yeah, yeah. so but and we also see the dms and stuff so you can contact us there think that is it <laughs> yeah <laughs> let us know if, if there are any jobs that uh, are over or underrepresented and we did mention um yeah, yeah. like if like if you have a job that you think should be on film you should tell us i want to know yeah although you know what it's like people always think my like my job is a cool job but people always think it's like more interesting than it is and you're like it's still just Mm -hmm. a job like actually like day to day you'd have to really we joke about this at work it's like you'd have to really (laughs) really jazz up our day to day to make it like tv show worthy yeah 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 (laughs) i discovered a new thing it's like no that's not how it works constant microfiche like in my no, dream, like I that. haven't used, no. I haven't used microfiche or shown how to use microfiche uh, in years. Not in years, sadly. Well, then Although it's a very by. yeah. Like, come on down. Yeah. <laughs> Appointment only. That'll be our, that'll be our, yeah, stinger. What is it? I don't even know. <laughs> no bumper. Right, I'm going to stop oh, Bumper. There we go. <laughs> I say that on a button, bumper, stickers, button, stinger, stinger, stinger. stinger.
Sticker? 